Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Why in the world did God choose Mary? Luke chapter 1 tells us that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, she was pregnant with John the Baptist, a relative of Mary. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, a small village, to the virgin named Mary. And she would have been a young teenager at this point. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of King David. So my question, got a few questions. Was God arbitrary in who he chose? Could Mary have said no? Well, God was not arbitrary in who he chose. And yes, Mary could have said no. Because the Bible tells us that God is looking for people to use. And, uh, and if I will just get usable, well, God will wear you out using you. He'll always give you what you need, but he will, he will slap wear you out if you allow yourself to be used by him. In fact, I, I would be bold enough to say that you have truly not lived until you have experienced being used by God, especially to bless someone else. Now, I know, I just because I know you, I know some of you are immediately saying, God could never use someone like me. Well, my message to you this morning is Satan would love for you to believe that. And it's just wrong, dead wrong. Just look at who God has chosen to use throughout Scripture. Some pretty messed up people. But they chose to allow themselves, they submitted themselves to God's purpose and plan for their life. So not only can God use you, he wants to use you. He desires to use you. He's waiting to use you. And if he only used perfect people, then he would use none of us. He's eager to use you in ways that you cannot even imagine. Now, this morning, since it's Christmas season, I want us to look at Mary and why God chose Mary above all the other women that he could have chosen, why he chose to use her. Now, there are some misconceptions about Mary I want to get out of the way. Not once in Scripture, nowhere, does it say that we're to worship Mary. Nor are we to pray to Mary. There, in these misconceptions, not once does it say that she was perfect or sinless. It does say that she was used by God, but she was not God. It does not say that we're to venerate her, to pray to her. In fact, at the cross, something significant happened. While Jesus was in the process of dying a hideous death, he looked at his disciple John, and he told John, Behold your mother, referring to Mary. As the oldest son, 
It was his responsibility to take care of his mother when his earthly father passed away. And so now, even in his death, he knew to pass that responsibility on to a trustworthy person, and he chose John. And he said something very significant, I think. To me, it's significant. He looked at his mother, and he referred to her as woman. Woman, behold your son. Now, I don't want to read too much into that. Sometimes I, I begin to wonder and say, did he say that because Mary needed to stop looking at him as her son but, and, and start looking at him as her savior? You see, Jesus was her only hope for salvation. She did not get a special pass because she was the mother of Jesus. She had to come to that place where she accepted his death for her sins. In fact, what is so special about Mary is really her plain ordinariness. God took a very ordinary young teenager and used her in a most extraordinary way. And that's what makes her special. I mean, there was no reference for her to go back to. When, when she was told that she was going to bring forth the Son of God, she had no scripture to go back to where that's ever happened before. It, it has never happened before and it has never happened since. This was a one-time deal. So it was a standalone situation, nothing to refer to. So why did God choose Mary? It was not because of her education, because she didn't have one. It was not because of her wealth, because she was poor. <clears throat> it wasn't because she was mature, because she was a teenager. She was young. God chose Mary, I think, a simple reason. Because she chose to trust God. <laughs> he cho she chose to trust God. He explained what was going to happen, and Mary's initial reaction was just pure shock, as you can imagine. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, verse 29, confused and disturbed. In the Greek, that literally means petrified, scared to death. You, you, well, first of all, if an angel showed up to you, some of you would have just died of a heart attack right then and there. Right? I mean, you just have fallen over. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And Gabriel said, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. So she had every reason to be frightened, but she chose not to let her fears control her. She was told, you're going to be the mother of Jesus. Now, there are a lot of possible fears that came up in her life, as you can imagine. Number one, the fear of criticism. What in the world are people going to think? I live in a small village. Everybody knows everybody's business. You cannot hide a pregnancy where I live. <clears throat> and so people are going to criticize me. I mean, they know I'm engaged to Joseph. Everybody knows that. And... You know, it's interesting that 
they always look to the woman, never, never to the man. It's kind of like, what's, Mary, what's wrong with Mary? Fear of, uh, fear of the supernatural. What's going to happen to me? I mean, this is a supernatural event that's about to happen. There's no human reference to this. The fear of inadequacy. How can I handle this? How can I raise the Son of God? What if I drop him? <laughs> what if I mess up? Am I allowed to spank him? <laughs> I mean, imagine all those things. The fear of change. This is a, this is a life-changing situation here. Everything's going to change in this proposition. So imagine those kind of fears. So let's talk about the type of person God does use. These four fears are the same fears that will keep you and myself from being used by God. So if that's true, what is the antidote? What type of person does God use? So let's just kind of talk through this. Number one, I believe God uses people who desire to do his will. God's looking for that kind of person. He, his eyes are always looking throughout the world for anybody whose heart belongs to him so that he may strongly support them and encourage them. And so God is looking for those who desire to do his will. Not that he can mock you or laugh at you or abuse you, but that he can come and support you so that he can come and show you exactly what his will is. But you've got to get to the point where you say, God, I, I want your will more than anything else. You have to come to that place where you say, I want God's plan for my life. <clears throat> and God does have a plan for you, and, and it's not automatic. Even though you were born with a purpose from God, you can miss that purpose. It's not forced upon you. Even though when you pray to receive Christ, you were given spiritual gifts but that's not a guarantee that those spiritual gifts are ever used or ever matured. That's up to you. So you have to choose to cooperate with God's purpose for your life or you will simply miss it. It's that plain and simple. Oh, you, you can go and have a successful life and you can be very successful. But there's a difference between being successful and being significant. The world may call you a failure, but God calls you significant when you fulfill his purpose and plan for your life. You may come to the end of your life being seen as a total failure by the people of this world, but in God's eyes, he sees you as a person who's fulfilled his purpose, whom he is well pleased, whom was willing to give up all this world had to offer that would only be short-lived. And now you'll have things that no one ever can steal from you, can rob from you. It'll never rust or wear out. It'll never depreciate it will last for eternity. 
you have that choice. You can choose to waste your life and squander it, or you can choose to make it count. God uses people who choose to want their life to count. Here's what Mary said when the angel showed up. You know, the angel said, God's got a fantastic plan for you. He's going to come to the earth so that people will know what God's like, and he has chosen you by the instrument in which he comes. And here's what Mary said. Oh, my soul praises the Lord. Wow, that's huge right there. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And they have. Mary didn't say, go find somebody else. I've got a career to think about. I've got my plans, my ambitions, my dreams. Nor did she say, well, it's about time. <laughs> about time you figured out that I'm your person. He didn't, she didn't say that either. I mean, there were two attitudes that Mary showed, and I love these attitudes. One was enthusiasm. My soul praises the Lord. My heart rejoices. I mean, it was no grin and bear it. She was enthusiastic. And where do you get enthusiasm? Well, the word comes from two Greek words, in and theos, in God. When you're in God, you're enthusiastic. And then there was humility. Thank you for thinking of your humble servant. Thank you that you would count me worthy, that you would use me. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. And David said, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. And even though he flubbed it many times in a big way, he was still a man after God's own heart. Paul, he said, so whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Do you have a heart for God? Is your goal in your life to please God? How do you know when you really want God first in your life? Well, you know it by choosing to listen to him every day. I mean, if you're not spending time with God on a daily basis, having your quiet time, if you're not listening to him, how do you really know what he wants for your life? It's only when you spend time with him intentionally that you can know that. You know how I know what my wife likes and what she enjoys? Because we spend time together. God speaks to people who listen. So I have to put myself in a position to listen. And one of the reasons that God chose Mary, I think it's because she had a listening ear. 
She was tuned into God. In Luke chapter 2, again it said, But Mary kept all these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. She took the things that were said to her. She took the word from God, and she thought about it all the time. And that's the way we're to be. You, you hear a message, you read something in your devotion, you, you hear something in your life group, and it's like it rings home with you and it just nails into your, your heart and you say, wow, I've got to really think about this. I need to apply this. And you think about it and you think about it and maybe you even say something like, I just cannot get it off my mind. That's a great place to be. So what is it you desire most in life? Some people, they desire to be financially independent. Some people want to retire. Some people just want to be happy. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. But they're not the purpose of life. That's not the purpose of life. In, in fact, the Bible says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. See, a lot of believers live for the other things. They're always trying to get the other things. And you got it backwards. But when I choose to seek God first, to seek his kingdom, to seek his righteousness, when I make that first, God says, guess what? I'm going to add all these other things to you. That will become a byproduct of you having your priorities straight. So I can spend all of my energy doing and going after this stuff and miss the most important thing, God's will and purpose, or I can focus on God's will and purpose and let God provide the other stuff. <clears throat> I think sometimes we have a real faith issue we ask God to, to provide something, and then we don't give him the chance or opportunity to do it. How many times have you been willing, you pray for something, and then you're willing to wait and let God provide it? You know, it's um, my kids, they get so frustrated at Christmas time when it comes to buying me something for, my, for Christmas. And the reason is, is because if I wanted, I'd go buy it. Are you like that? You know? And uh, I just go get it. If I want it, I go get it. And, and, and then what I do, I realize I rob my kids the joy of being able to do that for me. Because I, I just take care of myself. Some of you miss some of the greatest joy that God wants to impart on you because you take care of it yourself. You're chasing after it instead of what's God's purpose and will for your life. And you see, when I'm living to please God, when I'm living to please him, it gives him great joy to bless me, to bless you. Second thing, God uses people who decide they're willing to pay the price, to pay the cost. There's always a cost to following God's plan for your life. I'll be honest with you, up front with you. 
If you start saying, this coming year, I want to be closer to Jesus. This coming year, I want his will, I want his plan, and I want to be in the center of it. I promise you, it's going to cost you. You're going to have to give up some stuff. You're going to have to remove some things that have taken up the throne of your heart and the stuff of your life. You're going to have to remove some of that stuff so that Jesus can come in and take residency there. There's always a cost. There's always a risk. It will always require faith. And you're going to have to step out and do some things in the unknown that will scare you to death. Mary decided that she desired God's will most of all, no matter what it was going to cost her. Mary decided to take the chance, to take the risk, to pay the price. Here's what she said in Luke 138. I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to do whatever he wants. Have you ever said that to God? May everything you said come true. Mary is basically saying, I'm ready to pay the cost. So what does whatever include? Well, it includes everything. Absolutely everything. You know, the first thing that it cost her by saying yes, it cost her a reputation. She was a virgin. She was pregnant. Who do you think was going to believe that story? Right? Who's going to believe that story? I mean, even Joseph didn't believe that story at first. He was going to show respect for her and love. His love for her and his care for her, he said, I'm just going to quietly divorce her. Because see, when you were engaged, it had the requirements of marriage without actually being together. And so he would quietly divorce her so as not to humiliate her and embarrass her. And that's when God sent an angel to him to explain what was going on. Now, I want to tell you what. Joseph, <laughs> that guy's a real hero. Right? I mean, he was an amazing hero in my opinion. We don't hear a lot about him. So the first thing it cost her was her reputation. The point is, if you're serious about God's plan for your life, there are, going to pe there are going to be people who misunderstand it, and sometimes it will be other believers. There will be people who will judge you. There will be people who will criticize you. <clears throat> there will be people who look at you as if you're different. You can count on it. If you really want God's plan for your life, there will be people around you who will be very, very unhappy about it. You can count on it. It also cost Mary her comfort. See, Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem because of prophecy. And she lived in Nazareth. It's not a short journey. And so she's nearly nine months pregnant, and she's riding a donkey all the way to Bethlehem. That couldn't have been fun. Imagine all the Christmas traffic she had to deal with. I mean, this was very uncomfortable. And not only that, after a little while, probably within two years, 
She didn't get to go back home, but they had to flee to Egypt, which was not a short journey, a much further journey. So you're taking a young toddler all the way to Egypt, far away from family and friends and support system because the king was out to kill your kid. Wow. So God's purpose for my life, it will come with problems. It will not be an accident. In fact, sometimes I think it's part of the plan to grow me, to increase my faith. And the reason God wants to increase my faith is because I get to please him more as my faith increases. So am I willing to give up in order to be used by God? My ambitions, my goals, my plans, my finances. So step one, desire God's will for your life more than anything else. Step two, decide to pay the cost. And here's Mary's response. Mary decided to trust God. Listen to her response in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. <clears throat> Jesus in Luke 14, he said, and if you don't carry your cross, your own cross, and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. So it's not just taking up the cross. You need to count the cost. You need to know what it's really going to cost you. He said, for who will begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Then Philippians 3.7, <clears throat> Paul said, I once thought these things were so valuable. All these things I thought were so valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. All these things I got hanging on my wall, all this stuff I've accumulated, all this stuff that's so important to me. I used to think this was so valuable, so important, and, and the reality is it's worthless because it's going to be somebody else's junk one day. When Mary and I are gone, my kids are going to come and toss it out. That's why we tossed it out before they could. <laughs> that was one thing nice about COVID. <clears throat> we went through the attic and got all of our kids' stuff and boxed it up, and we took, both, we took all the boxes to both their houses, and we said, this is your childhood. <laughs> so you can throw it away. And uh, with COVID, the kids, the grandkids, loved going through all those boxes and finding all their parents' childhood stuff. It was a blast. They had a great time doing it. And it's not in my attic anymore. Number three, God uses people who dare to trust his promises. There are people of faith because it takes risk, it takes courage to be used by God. Courage does not mean you're not afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of it. It's facing your fear. 
In fact, another word for courage is faith. Mary was a woman of deep faith, and, and she did not have all the answers, but she chose to trust God. In Luke chapter 1, Mary said to the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. In order for the baby to be holy, it cannot be born of man, because man carries the seed of Adam, which is a sin nature. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age, something else that's impossible. People used to say she was barren, but now she is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, you might say, why doesn't God ever do miracles in my life? Maybe it's because you're afraid of miracles. Maybe you're afraid of what that might look like. Maybe you're afraid of losing control. The reason God doesn't do a miracle in my life or your life is because we don't expect him to. We play it safe spiritually. We play it safe. Mary had many reasons to be worried. She was going to carry this great responsibility. But I found it interesting that instead of worrying, Mary chose to worship. In Luke 1, we have Mary's song of worship. So instead of worship, worrying, she worshiped God. I would suggest that to you as well. When you come into situations that seem overwhelming, put in some worship songs. Worship God. When you have those situations, you don't see the way out. Go to the Psalms and worship God and don't panic. You pray and you praise. And anytime you're afraid, that means I have forgotten the promises of God. When I'm afraid, I have forgotten the promises of God. So I go back and remind myself of those promises. And I remind myself that God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Because when I worry, when I'm afraid, I believe he's forgotten me. So are you willing to be used by God anytime, anywhere, any place? Are you willing to say, I'm willing to be uncomfortable for you? How much do you trust God, really? It was 51 years and one month ago when I said yes to Jesus' lordship. And I will tell you, 51 years and one month, there have been a lot of hard times, but they have always been overwhelmed with joyful times. There have been times that have seemed unbearable, but they always led to times of peace. There were plenty of times that it was very painful, but then God always kept his promise, my load is light. There have been times of tears, but eventually they led to times of laughter. There have been times of sadness, but they've always led to times of great delight. 
Every time I see someone pray to receive Jesus Christ, I say to myself, it was worth it. Every time I see someone being baptized, I say to myself, it was worth it. 51 years and one month ago, every time I see someone follow God's will for their life, I say to myself, it was worth it. Every time I see someone become a disciple of themselves and sharing the gospel with others, I say to myself, it was worth it. It is worth it when you choose to allow God to use you. Let's pray. Father, let us overcome our fears. Let us choose to set aside our comfort. Let us be willing to say yes to your Lordship. Knowing it won't be easy. Knowing that it will be a challenge. Knowing it will be difficult. At times it'll be painful. At times we'll be misunderstood. At times we'll be ridiculed. But the joy of knowing I'm doing what you want me to do. The joy of knowing that one day to hear you say, well done, you've completed the course I laid out for your life. You've completed the task I had for you. That wipes away every tear, every frustration. All the times of being misunderstood, it's okay. Jesus was misunderstood all the time. Lord, it's Christmas. When we think about all the gifts we're going to give to other people, maybe we need to think about the gift we're going to give you. Give to Jesus. It's his birthday after all. And the greatest gift we can give to him is ourselves. Let us choose today to give the greatest gift we can give, the gift Jesus desires more than anything else, ourselves ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.